Good morning. Still trying to calm down from that awesome worship, by the way. That was fantastic. The, the joy that was radiated, uh, it was absolutely wonderful. And uh, I find myself getting caught up in it, as we should, and, and worshiping with you. So I'm Rob McCormick. I am a staff member at uh, Love Inc. I'm here with my colleague, Christine Summers Austin. And what we do, we serve... I say rather than work, we serve at Gallatin County Love in the Name of Christ. Now, Gallatin County Love in the Name of Christ is one of a number of affiliates. It's one that's based, as the name says, right here. And we're a partnership of 46 Christian churches that have come together to serve our neighbors in need. But it's more than that, and we'll get to that shortly. Uh, Love in the Name of Christ is a national organization, actually a Christian ministry, that has over 130 affiliates across the nation and in Africa, and they have over 9,000 churches that are all working together to love others in the name of Christ. We have five of those affiliates here in Montana, which is a blessing. Some of them are very new, but as they saw the need to have churches come together and work across denominations, and I guess that's where the Reformation part comes in, uh, to have Reformed churches and Protestant churches working with Catholic churches all coming together to help our neighbors in need. It's a really powerful thing, especially for that, that person in need when they, they see that hand and have a group of individuals that are made up of all sorts of different churches. You know, I attend E-Free Church, and so when I would, if I were to serve, then and would say I'm Rob from E-Free Church in partnership with Love Inc., and then another person would say who they are from their church. And then the person may be seeing for the first time that people out there loving on them beyond the, the church name, but truly in the name of Christ. And it's an absolutely wonderful thing. But when we help our neighbors in need, it's more than just a, a physical need. So we have a clearinghouse, which is our call center. And the call center receives that, that call, quite literally, and it's someone that's reaching out to us or for us. And so what they do is they enter into a relationship with them because at its heart, we're a relational ministry. So they begin the relationship with them and say, okay, what's going on in your life that, that's making you reach out? And a lot of times it, people say, well, I need gas or, you know, I need clothing or I need, but that's a symptom of a need. That's not actually the real need. The real need is something that's, in their lives that's, that's causing that. Whether it be that they can't keep a job because they're combative at work and so they're, they're not uh, employed for a long time. Or when they get their money, they don't know how to manage it. Instead, it manages them and it pours through their fingers and a week later, they have nothing. And so they, they have, and there's a lot of other things. Whether it be in their history that, let's be honest, uh, people could come across as, as rude and abrupt but that's the tip of the iceberg, and what we don't see is that they were abused and unloved in their past. And they're dealing with these scars that have been built up over time. And the, the expression of them is that they don't think you're going to love them either. And so they're going to be abrupt in the time when they're dealing with you. And so what we try to do is we enter into a relationship with them that goes beyond that felt need, that tank of gas, that couch or the, the jacket, and to try to go deeper to find out what's really going on. And what we do is we have a, a network of resources 
and we find out how to deal with the felt need and how to go deeper. Whether it be having them attend a, a class, uh, resolving everyday conflict to learn how to do just that, deal with the conflicts from every day, or whether it be a finding financial freedom class where for the first time they sit down with a counselor and go through their checkbook and figure out where every dollar goes. Now, as a personal side, I did that and it was kind of scary to figure out where everything was going. And now I actually control where it goes. And giving that type of skill to someone who never had it before can be a tremendous blessing in their lives. But that's only where it starts. There are a number of organizations out there that help people and they help them meet their needs, the needs that we were just talking about, but they leave God out of the equation. Well, we're a Christian ministry that helps them with their needs and we specifically bring God into the equation. Everything that we do, every time that we go out, it's an invitation. It's an invitation for them to see us living out our lives as disciples and to see the relationship that we have with Christ and to be an invitation for one of their own to bring them into that, the, the relationship with Christ. Now, the, the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, that story is very well known. But I want to point out a few things in that that, that kind of cause us to stop and think for a bit. Now, Jesus had set it up where it was a very common situation that he was talking about. But what the, the interesting part was that the man beaten on the side of the road, and, and we're going to say that that person beaten on the side of the road could be any of these people in need that I've just been talking about. And it could be a wide range of needs that we'll actually talk about in a few minutes. But that person is experiencing a life situation, whether it be through choices of their own or circumstances that were completely unforeseen that have left them broken and bleeding on the side of the road. Now, while they're in that state, they look up and they say, yes, help is at hand, because they see a likely source of help, and that's the priest that comes upon them. Now, the priest takes a look, recognizes the situation, and, and that's a key portion, recognizes the situation, and chooses not to have anything to do with it, does not want to enter into it or affect that person on the side of the road, and instead continues on his way. So the person was on the side of the road, and as I said, this is, could be any of the number of people that are broken and bleeding in this world. Then they look up and they see another likely source of help. The Levite who enters in and says, and once again recognizes the situation, sees what's going on, but again chooses not to enter in. Imagine how disheartening that would be where in your own lives, if you are in distress and you reach out to likely sources and they recognize your distress, but choose not to enter into it. So this person on the side of the road now is, must be devastated. Two areas that you could reasonably expect help from spurned the opportunity. 
recognized it, and went around. So then you look up, and this person is coming along, and you say, oh, great, I'm not going to get help now. And yet, that individual, the Samaritan, recognizes the situation as well, embraces the inconvenience that it is to serve, and enters into the situation in a way to affect it, to help that person transform, comes back later, gives up of the resources, so it's a personal hardship that they're embracing as well, in order to, to help this person transform from their situation and be in a completely different frame at the end. And it's that, that help from unlikely places, the unexpected place, is that we strive to be, that we're actually called to be. And it's one that is actually rather difficult at times. But what Love, Inc. does, and, and this is where it gets interesting, while we're different from the, the sources of, of usual aid, we serve the Christians to help them identify authentic experiences or opportunities, we call it, to minister to the people that are in need. So the way it would work is they would call in. We would, again, begin that relationship. We would find out what was going on. We would identify the resources that they would need. But most of the time, the resource they need is actually you. A caring Christian to come alongside, to recognize the situation, to enter into it and affect it in a way that leaves them transformed. And the, the amazing part about it is that you then become transformed by that interaction. When you kind of practice those muscles, as it were, to enter into those situations, to give of yourself, to give of your time, and, and I will say that the Samaritan man was probably late on his journey because he was on a journey. But to give of your time, to enter into it, to make a, a difference, and to allow them to see Christ through that interaction can yield amazing results. But as I stated before, it's not just on the person in need. It's on you. And, and the Christians that stand up to take on that situation, to having recognized it, entered into it, and leave it changed. And, and that's where it becomes really powerful. We've been commanded to go out and make disciples. We've also been commanded to help our neighbors and to love on our neighbors. And we've also been told how to do it. We've heard, we were just singing it, to be the light in this world. To go out and let your light shine so that they see it. And that's what I was talking about, the invitation. And all of these things aren't mutually exclusive. They're along the same way. The person that I was talking about that has the, the need for gas, once we find out what the underlying need is, and then we go about addressing that, then we can show them something bigger than that. 
We can be the light that shines. Particularly for me, I find it's rather poignant that the city built on the hill, shining so that everyone can see in the darkness. Now, being in Montana, if anyone's ever driven in the middle of the night, it's pretty dark. And then you see a light, and it's in the wrong direction to be the sunrise, and it's in the middle of the night, so it's not going to be the sunrise, but it kind of piques your interest, and you say, what is that light? And then it may be an hour or two later, you actually happen upon it, which is kind of uh, you know, amusing. I'm from the East Coast. That doesn't happen. But then you happen upon it, but this whole time, you're like, what is this light? I'm really interested. And you're building this kind of anticipation of, you know, I want to know what's affecting this darkness in this way. And that illustration is to be us. In everything that we do, and in all things that we do, that we shine with that light. That we make people who are otherwise in the darkness, and I'm not saying in evil all the time, and I'm just saying the absence of light. But for the people in the absence of light to see this light shining, and then they start to say, there's something different about you. And they mean it in a good way. And then they become intrigued. And they want to see what's going on. And so they, they come closer. And then they come closer, and then they find out. And then in sharing that, you both can be transformed. And then they want to be a light of their own, and so they may dig deeper. We have been empowered to be the light of the world. And the interesting thing about that is Jesus says that he's the light of the world. But you're the light of the world. So it's something that he's sharing with us, that we are to go out and be the lights of the world. He said he was the light of the world while he was on this earth. We are now the lights of the world. We are to reflect... And as I mentioned earlier to someone, the vocabulary word is actually inculcate. We are to instill into ourselves his qualities of kindness and mercy and grace, compassion, humility, love, to name but a few. Not to just reflect, but to actually instill in ourselves these qualities. And it is a lifelong pursuit. Let's be honest, we're all sinners. But we can progress on this journey and progress in our relationship with Christ. And as we do so, we have the opportunity and the responsibility to pass that on to others. To go out there and shine in a way that they are attracted to it. Now, it's interesting to note for me, I saw recently a gentleman at Target. And he was screaming scripture at people. And the interesting thing was, is he had it all right. But he was doing it all wrong. Now, I, I will admit, I'm like, shut up, please. I agree with everything you're saying. But I absolutely detest the way you're saying it. He was not attempting to give an invitation. He was not attempting to come alongside of people. But instead, he was standing outside and berating people within the word, which doesn't really invite them. I'm a lifelong scientist, so I'll tell you that there was a study that was done, and they were giving out $100 bills. One group went out and screamed at people and tried to get them to take the 100 
by berating them with words and trying to give them the $100 bill, and they had very little success. The others were giving it out with love and kindness, and they came back very poor. <laughs> Although at the end of this, if anyone wants to scream and give me 100, I will accept them. <laughs> but the way that the message was given was so integral to how they received that message. The gentleman at Target, who he was very, very good in terms of chapter and verse. Everything he was saying, as I said, I agreed with. But not a single person went up and said, wow, I want to be like you. <laughs> but we get that opportunity to go out. And, and the great part is sometimes the, the standard has been invite people into church and we will disciple them there. And so, you know, kind of bring them into the church and then we will do the work within the church. But as we know, that there's a lot of people that haven't been coming. There's a great many people in our society that have yet to accept that invitation because it, for a variety of reasons. But when you get out to serve them, and you serve them in a humble way that you're truly entering into the situation, having recognized it, as we point back to the Samaritan. And then you're doing it in a way that shows them Christ potentially completely different than they've ever seen it before or with a new perspective. They may never have actually felt the love of Christ. We run across so many individuals that say, you know, I, I'm, I had a conversation and I had the conversation, so I'm going to relate it as from my point of view. He said, well, if I'm not worthy of your help, then you just don't have to help me. And that kind of pulled me up short. And so, but it actually opened the door. I said, of course you're worthy of help. You are loved by God. You are so incredibly worthy. That in and of itself makes you worthy. And I was able to then share. And at the end, he actually opened up and told me what was really going on. There was a lot more to it than he had talked about before. He had just wanted wood. Just give me wood, I'm fine. But by demonstrating that he was loved by Christ and, and therefore was completely worthy, and whatever we could give him to help him along in a way that would truly transform him would be well spent. He then opened his heart and shared more and we actually helped him a little deeper. And then when we did a return call just recently to find out how he was, he was shocked that again, we would take our time to enter into a situation and truly relieved that he would actually be cared for because he thought, because of the, the brusque and somewhat rude interaction, that he would be spurned. When we knew that that was just a symptom of more that was going on. Okay, let me repeat. What I was saying was... <laughs> Absolutely. 
Now, it does become daunting when we think about that everything that we do should reflect Christ. I went to a seminar, I was talking about it earlier, and the gentleman said that in everywhere we are, everything we do, that you should have this radar on and be aware of the state of being that people are in so that you could enter into it and you can recognize it. Now, I found that a little daunting, although it's exactly what I'm calling everyone else to do. And so I had to look in the mirror and say, okay, you know, what can I do differently? And again, I'm going to use first person because it was me, but I went down to the courthouse and I was on my way to a meeting. And there was a gentleman that was getting out of his car and I, I was thinking about that. I should be aware of what's going on. And he took his walker out and he plopped it down the middle of the slush. And he was trying to deal with the hatch and he was trying to deal with all of his stuff. And so I took two steps past, stopped, turned back around and said, may I help you? He said, no. I said, I'm going to anyway. No, just, uh, he, he did say, no, I'm fine. But he was literally ankle deep in slush with a walker with his hatch. I said, I'll tell you what, let me get you to dry ground. You can watch me while I seal up your vehicle. And I hope you have a blessed day. Let me just help you in some way. Now, that was not the hand up as much as I was talking about before. But who knows what just that simple act would do for him. He may be more open to someone coming along in a deeper way. I spoke to another group of college students, and they said, okay, now let me get this straight. What you're telling me is we miss the opportunities to minister to people because we don't take the time. Okay, yeah, we don't. And I'm not saying that if you were called to move a couch, and some people believe that serving is, I'm going to serve Christ by carrying this couch and dropping it off on your doorstep. I've just served, you know, and I'm, I'm doing it in the name of Christ, and so therefore I've, I've served. But we can go farther than that. So when I was talking to this group of college kids, they said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, while you're working with them, ask them about themselves. Talk to them. Say, may I pray for you? If they say yes, maybe at the conclusion of when you're working alongside, may I pray with you? You'd be amazed how that just changes things. And so they all loaded up their trucks, and they, they were delivering furniture. And they all left, and they all came back glowing. And they said, that was amazing. Every person that we talked to wanted to hear about Christ. Now, if they don't, it's fine, too. Don't get me wrong. We're, we're still going to love on them. And we're going to demonstrate the gospel even if we can't share it verbally. But people do open up. One guy, actually, we're getting a little worried because it was uh, an hour past when we were supposed to come back. And so he finally showed up, and we said, well, what happened? He said, you won't believe this. I started sharing, and they called their whole family together. And we went in the living room, and they wanted to hear about Christ. And so he took that opportunity. He embraced it. He walked into it and was able to share for a good part of the afternoon which was absolutely amazing. And, and you never know what can happen when you begin to accept those opportunities. When we put into practice what we've been commanded to do, 
it does transform you. And it makes you much more, uh, it makes you more of a habit, let's say, where you begin to take that time more and more. Where you actually look for it. There is a situation, sometimes the faces of need are not what you think. And, and this is where you have to recognize the situation and why I always talk about the Samaritan. We had a, a group of college kids again. I didn't intentionally choose these stories just because you're college kids, but it works rather well. But what happened is they were going to uh, empty a house from a donor who was giving all their furniture away and wanted to go to people in need, and they were bringing it to families. One of the families had a young child going through uh, cancer and was going for chemotherapy and other um, treatments. And so it seemed pretty clear cut. Here's this well-off family that's donating all their furniture and these people in need are the family that has the child with cancer. And absolutely are they in need. But upon arriving at the house for the donor, it was immediately apparent that they were in need. Turns out that the situation that they were bringing to the, the table where they were giving up the contents of their house was they had just lost the father and the husband of the family. And in the past year, they lost one of the children in the family. And so they were coming together to, to mourn the end of a journey. And they were giving all the furniture away so that the mother could then move in with one of the remaining siblings to be cared for in her retirement. And so she was beginning this scary journey of her own. Now, it was particularly of note that they, they were all dispersing when we arrived, with the, with the exception of the core family. And they were in tears and, and leaving. And, we could have just gone in and loaded up the furniture and been on our way, but we had a discussion about what it meant to shine with the light of Christ, how to enter into those situations. And for the, the day of emptying that house, as each piece of furniture was taken out of that home, and the home then became a house, we were able to mourn and rejoice and celebrate the lives that had been spent there and the journey that had brought them there with the individuals that remained. We were able to celebrate and learn and walk alongside of and love on the family that was there until finally the house was empty. The, the truck was full. And at the beginning we had said, can we pray for you? And the, the, the college kids were, were asked, are you okay with praying in public with people? And so they said, absolutely. And they ran back inside and asked if they could pray with and for them now. And they formed a really big prayer chain. And you could see throughout the day and throughout that prayer, the family was able to mourn and rejoice the ending of a journey, and to celebrate and begin a new one.
They were smiling through their tears as they had been able to heal through the process of donating furniture. And that furniture did find its way into the homes of people that truly needed it in a different way. But all of them that were involved, whether it be the family that was giving or the family that was receiving, they were all in need, some materially, all of them in the need of Christ. And it was an absolute pleasure to be able to be a disciple and to get out there and share that word. Now, I would prayerfully ask you to consider allowing us to serve you in this manner. We have all sorts of different opportunities from being the ones answering the phone when they reach out to being the hands and feet out in the community. Or if you're gifted on computers, we would absolutely love data entry people to then track everything that's going on. And if you would like to know more, in a week and a half, we will be at the ministry fair that was mentioned earlier. Or it's a short walk across Discovery to the building that says Love, Inc. And we would absolutely love to talk to you. And you can always talk to us. But we serve. And we'd like to serve you as we serve our neighbors in need. And together, we serve our Lord and Savior. And thank you for your time.